Blog Talk Radio. We want to thank God this afternoon for this opportunity to come to you. This is Apostle Alexander Lockham to Bernie Bush Church in Irwin, uh, North Carolina. We count the privilege and the honor to be able to allow uh, uh, God to allow us to to come and bring his word this afternoon, to be a mouthpiece, to be an instrument in the hands of the Almighty God. This afternoon, we want to wear your patience. We hope your ears are open and tended, and we want you to listen to what is said this afternoon, but not only listen, we, we want you to apply it to your life, but if you don't apply it, then listen, it's no good. Many times we hear things and then we don't apply it and it don't work, then we feel like that it, it, it wasn't working or, or, or that didn't work. It didn't work because you did not apply it. You have to do whatever it says do, when it says do it, how it says do it, because God is the one behind it. So if you will apply it to your everyday life, you will find out that you'll find yourself growing, becoming more wiser, more understanding, and, and understanding God's precept more than ever before. We're going to talk this evening about standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises of God. We know God promises, and many of us do, and we hear our God promises day by day from different people quoting it, and we hear what, what they're saying that God said he'll do, but we had not recollect to accept it in our hearts that God's going to do just what he said he's going to do. We don't stand on it. When it don't come to pass, when we want it to come to pass, then we find ourselves drifting in our faith. Now our faith's got to be pumped back up again, enlightened again, Prophets got to come back through and prophesy to us to lift us back up. Why? Because we didn't stand on what we believe that God is able to do. God is not falter and nothing that he said. He said, let every man be a liar and let God be the truth. God will do what he said. He doesn't have to prove nothing to nobody. See, we be wanting proof like the children of Israel did. They said, Lord, show us a sign. Jesus said, the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah. He said, the only sign you're going to get, that Jonah was in the well's mouth, the Son of God shall be in the, in, the, in the valley of the earth for three days, and he, on the third day he shall rise. He said, that's the sign, only sign you're going to get. Some people are following signs and wonders, and, and if ain't a sign there, then they don't believe that it is that it's so. But, but God don't have to prove nothing to nobody. He said it, and he will perform it. He has the ability to back up himself. He said, on my own name, he said, I promise I'll do it. Isn't that something? Ain't nobody down here had that ability to say that they can promise something on their own name. God said, upon my own name, I swear, he told Abraham, upon my own name, I swear. So you know God ain't going to lie. You know God ain't falter. You know God don't make mistakes. You know God has the ability to do anything. But he told Abraham, just in case you don't, you fail to believe me, upon my own name, I'm going to do this thing. Ain't that something? When God is going to bless you and he's going to stand on his own name to do it, uh, you don't have to doubt God. You ain't got to be weary about nothing that God told you. I've been serving him now since 1979, over 40-some years, and he ain't failed me yet. I cannot tell you nowhere along the way that God failed me. 
that he didn't meet my need, that he didn't pay my life, but if he didn't put grocery on my table and clothes on my back and my children's back, I don't remember not one day that my children ever cry and look at me. Even if they want no food on the table, my children didn't know nothing about it. They ate every morning, but they were pampers to put on the baby, milk for the baby to drink. I raised my children under the the promises of the Lord. So he made me a promise, and I still don't know promises. Many times I didn't even know what we were going to eat the next day. Many times there was nothing in the cupboard, want nothing, no flour in the barrel. It wasn't nothing, but I left walking by faith. I left walking by faith, believing that God was going to meet me. And God always met me out there or put somebody in my path to bless me. I came back with provision. I came back with what was needed to take her to the house. The babies had pamper. They had milk. They, 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 they never cried like a little bird because they were hungry because God made a way somehow. He's always, he's always was there some way or something. Somebody said he made a way out of nowhere. Can I share with you? God don't have to wait, make no way out of nowhere. It was a way. You just didn't see the way. That's why we say it was no way. It was no way that we saw, but God already knew that it was a way. And he does not have to put no wonders in heaven because he's God right by his. So I encourage you to stand on whatever promises God already told you and the promises I'm going to share with you tonight. Stand on these promises. Believe your God. Trust him. It makes God feel good. It, it enlightened God. Oh, my God. It enlightened God when you believe God, when you trust God, when you stand on the promise. Look what God did to Enoch. The Bible said that, that, that Enoch pleased the Lord. Oh, God likes it when you please him, when you just trust him. I don't care what nobody else believes. I don't care who else doubting. Don't let you let somebody else doubt. Don't, let, don't you let somebody else doubt make you doubt. If you believe God to do it, you stand on it. I don't care if you're standing there all by yourself. You stand and believe what you believe. So you start hooking your belief to other people's belief, they'll make you doubt. They'll talk you out of that new home. They'll talk you out of that husband. They'll talk you out of that wife. They'll talk you out of that child. Here you is, you can't have no child. You've been trying to have a child for years, but you're hanging around the wrong people. You need to get around some people who got some faith. You need to get around some people who got some confidence. You need to get around some people that remind you that God will give you a child. I told this lady, and I told her, I, we, were, we were there at church, and I told her that God says she is going to have a baby. God said you, God said you will have a child. Don't care what the doctor said. I did not know. She didn't tell me that the doctor said she wouldn't be able to have no children. I didn't know anything about that. The Norton got great in there. He told me to tell her she's going to have a child. You know, and I called her up and I asked her. She, I asked her, do you, do you believe that God is able? She said, I think. And I said, oh, no, 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 I didn't ask her did you think. I said, do you believe that God is able? She said, yeah, I believe he's able. I want you all to know that, if I'm not mistaken, she done had three children already, and they're grown. Ain't God good? And the doctor told her she didn't have no children, and here she done had three children, and she's got grandchildren. God will do just what he said. He will put us. He will call the barren wound a bear. Do you hear what I'm saying? I may be talking to somebody out there this afternoon while I'm reading these the promises. That's why I'm on this afternoon to encourage you to lift up your spirit and get your hope and your faith and your confidence back in God. For the Bible said, forget not the confidence that you got in God. Satan comes to get your confidence. That's what his intention is. It's always been his intention. Satan don't want you to believe in God. 
Satan don't want you to have no confidence in God. Satan don't want you to trust in God. So he comes and he's a little trick. He comes through people. He comes on the telephone. He comes on the Internet. And somebody will say one little thing and just feel your faith. I remember when I sought to get a new home, and somebody, I told somebody that I was trying, me and my wife were trying to get a new home before the, the home we live in now. And I told somebody, and they said something that killed, that killed my spirit, that drained all the, all the life out of my spirit. You know what I'm saying? You can't tell people your promises. Sometimes you got to keep to yourself. The Bible says don't let the left hand know what the right hand do it. Sometimes you got to keep your promises until they come to pass because people will, will, will uh, sabotage your blessing. Sabotage. People are Pray against you, even though even though they can't curse what God bless, they'll still do negative things against you. And they said something about 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 me, you know, getting a new home and and you know this how high the houses are and, and well, you know the economy that we're living in and how you know your job this and you ain't making this and you ain't making that. I want you to know the just don't don't depend on our job. We thank God for our job. We're talking to just folks now. You've been born again. You 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 say then you're just. And the just do not depend on their job. Even though we got a job, we don't depend on our job. Do you hear what I'm saying? Even though we got a job, we don't depend on our job. We depend on God Almighty, our creator, our provider, our subscriber. He is the one that we depend on. Remember that. It's okay you have your job, and God wants you to be thankful for your job. But don't let your job be your, be your dependability on your job, but, be, but depend on the God that gave you that job and hope that he will help you keep that job. Hope that he'll, he won't let you get fired. Uh, he, he won't let you get laid off. And see, when you do that, you will keep your job. You won't get laid off. But you start depending on your job, God might let you walk in there one day and you get laid off. You know, what's going on here? God let you know your dependability was in the wrong place. Put your trust in the Lord and leave it there. I tell you, he will provide. So, and we goes and after they said that, I had to lift my spirit up. My, my wife had to remind me. Now, God told us that we were going to get a new home. So my wife was packing everything up. She was like putting stuff up in the cupboard. She, she was putting everything up, 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 packing it up to go except the bed. And I'm like, what are you doing? She was packing up so much, I got a little upset with her because I thought she was moving too fast. We ain't got the house yet. Why are you packing everything up? She said, because it's coming. See, she was walking in faith. I was walking more or less than what I see, even though I know God told me that. I still was walking so much in the flesh rather than by in faith. So she believed God, and I want you to know, God worked the miracle. God did the impossible. Even when we went to get the home, we didn't even have the down payment. Didn't even have the down payment. They wanted several thousand dollars. So the man asked me a question. He said, what do you have in the home? I told him, uh, old piano. He said, well, you know what I'll do? I'll take that piano for a down deposit. We won't get rid of the piano anyway because my wife didn't want it because one of them old big old church pianos, she, was, she couldn't get it in the home. No, she didn't want it. We didn't tell them that. They took the piano for a down payment so that we could get it in the home. And guess what? This was, this was one of the toughest banks there is to get a credit with. Your credit had to be perfect. It was Wachovia. Well, Kobe gave us a loan to get a new home with a down payment on a tell on a on a on a on a, on a piano. I want you to know that God is your provider. God will make a way out of no way. He'll do the impossible. 
So I just want to share that with you. So I encourage you, grab on to what God told you. Believe what God said. He does not lie. He said, let every man be a liar and let God be the truth. Number one, I want to talk about some, get some verses. When you are feeling weak, especially in your quest to follow honor and serve God, he promised power to the faint. It says in Isaiah 40 and 31, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. This is a promise now. They will soar what they will soar on wings like an eagle. They will run and not be go weary. They shall walk and not faint. We read through that verse so quick. And don't even get all the gravy that's on the inside of it. This is a beautiful verse. This verse has impact for a lot of stuff. I may not give a whole lot of verses not because it's not about a whole lot of verses. But it's about understanding the verses that we understand. You know, when I first got saved, I would have Bible study with my children at home, and we would sit there and I read chapter after chapter. Sometimes I read six or seven chapters. I read so many chapters, children fall asleep when I read it. I found I found the first lady fall asleep. And I got upset with them because they were falling asleep because I was because I was reading. I thought that they should be attending. I was excited, but you know, she told me one day. When I got ready, she saw that I was going to read about five or six more chapters. She said, wait a minute. She, I mean, she spoke up so boldly. She said, sweetheart, she said, it ain't how many chapters you read. She said, but it's how many you understand. She said, now you've been reading all these chapters. Can I be honest? She said, I don't understand none of that you read because you read so much. She said, it's better to read one chapter to understand it than to read ten chapters and don't. I thank God for a spiritual woman. I thank God for her speaking up. I saw her one time to put some oil on. I thought she had backslid on I me mean, she got to talk like that there. Sometimes we get you know, caught up in our own little little self-driven way. We think we know. But, honey, sometimes God can give you a word of wisdom. Is that all right? Sometimes God can give you a word of wisdom. See, when you're a pastor and a leader and a teacher, see, some of, you know, the, uh, some of you pastors that having problems with your members falling asleep and want to leave and talking about you preach too long, if you preaching three hours, you ain't preaching too long. If you preaching two hours, you did preaching too long. After forty minutes, you need to. After thirty minutes, you need to be bringing your message in, unless you on an hour program or something like I am tonight. It's different. But when you sitting in church and you sitting there, you already been there at Sunday school. They came to Sunday school at nine. Hello. And then you're going to turn out at 3 o'clock or you preach at 2 No, don't worry the people. Pay. The Bible says whatever you do, do it quickly. Learn how to hit and run. Learn how to want the people to come. Always leave them wanting. If you leave your members wanting, they'll go out and get somebody else and bring them back to church. You'll be talking about, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if they do leave. I'm going to do what the Lord says. Oh, who are you going to preach to if they leave? you got to understand your members are just like business. Church is just like business in a sense. If you be uh, rude, if you be rude to to the, to the customer when they come in your store, they ain't coming back to your store. Your business ain't gonna prosper because they gonna go out and tell somebody just what happened at your store. So it is at church. You should be so that people want to come out of your church. Some people be having an evening program. Some people have been taught not to leave church until church is over. And here you here preaching three hours. Come on, 
You, you want God to make your church better. You want your member to appreciate it and quit talking about how long you preach. Well, quit preaching so long, and they'll quit talking about how long you preach. It bet you preach short and accomplish something, and you preach all that long time. Now, the, now the Proverbs says, and this is Solomon, he's the wisest man in the world. He said, much speaking make people stop listening. Hello? When you start speaking too much, Folks, stop listening to you. They don't. They don't stop listening to you an hour ago. Now, now, and one of my members used to tell me at my church because I was a long-winded preacher. So this church that God sent me to, they were eloquent and oh, they were renowned and they were uppity. They were up there and they taught me a lot that I ignorantly did not know. And one of the mothers would tell me someday, she said, Pastor, she was a pastor. She said, you spoke well, but uh, try to say something to the next Sunday. Other she said, I would try to tell it all in one Sunday. Because I can come from an old school. I come from a church where, you know, we're long-winded. But we have to learn and have wisdom. We have to use wisdom. If we don't use wisdom, we'll lose our members. And pastors, I don't want you to lose your members. So some of you pastors are speaking too long. Heard from the apostles. My job is to oversee the churches. My job is to set things in order. And I come out and let you still preach, but you ain't got to preach all day. You ain't got to hold them there. Huh? And then you got a nerd to preach the 119th song, and you're going to preach every verse in it. And you know good and well, you ain't got no fear to be pre- preaching the 119th song, the bigger that song is, and then got a nerd to, to, to interlate, and you're going you're gonna to try to discuss every verse. I walk up and leave off out of that sermon. Hello? So I'm trying to give you wisdom. So that you can keep your flock so that it'll grow. I hope I'm talking to somebody. If you will listen to me as an apostle, your flock going to grow if you learn how to be timely. For Ecclesiastes says they are time for all things. And you don't want to want to keep them, you know, until you start wearing their patience. Until they, when you hear them talking about you preaching too long, then you might need to take uh, consideration to that and, and pray to God that God will help you to preach, but don't preach no two-hour sermon. Amen. Even the hour sermon is kind of long, you know what I'm saying? So you need to be bringing it in, showing respect to your member and the guests that came to hear you that day. I don't even know how I got on that, but I ain't going to leave that alone. So, but those who hope in the Lord, if you're hoping in the Lord this evening, if you feel weak, if you feel drained, if you feel like that 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 that, that you can't fly no more, you don't lost your strength, you, you want to throw in the towel, you want to give up, I encourage you to hold on. God is going to renew your strength. He's going to renew your strength, and you're going to fly like an eagle. You know why he said an eagle? Because the eagle wingtip from wingtip is wider than any bird. And an eagle can fly above the uh, the jet stream where other birds can't. Way up there in the air, there's a jet stream where the jet flies, and there's an earth stream of air that flies through there all the time. Even after the jet is gone, the earth stream is still flying up there. The eagle can go up there. And he can soar up to where the jet stream was, where the little birds can. So that's why the little birds try to attack the eagle while he's low, because they can't fly up high. So what the eagle does, he'll fly away from his enemy. He'll fly up high and be at rest and sit there to hoover and watch his enemy. That's what God wants you to do. He wants to renew your strength so you can fly high like an eagle. You can quit, quit worrying about what somebody said about you. Quit worrying about they didn't shake my hand. I'm trying to help somebody. If you want to walk in the promises of God, you've got to quit acting like a baby. You've got to act like somebody got to hold your hand. They didn't speak to me. They didn't hold my hand yesterday. They uh, they overlooked me every time I go to church. They didn't ask me to have nothing. Baby, all that stuff is childish. Get away from that. Graduate from that so that you can grow in God.
in the ammunition of the Lord. God wants you to grow in his grace and, and quit having these little pity parties, crying about a little bit nothing, crying about nothing, because that's all it is, is nothing. I hope I'm helping somebody. He will give you rest. Can I talk about it? We get so restless in the church. reason we want to give up because we, we're so tired. We're so tired of our trials. We're so try, tired of our testing. We're so tired of what we're going through. We're so tired of what somebody said about us. We're so tired about how they talked about us. We're so tired about how they cut us in our back. Baby, you got to not take that mess to heart because it'll make you tired. It'll drain you. You got to keep your eyes on the Lord. Listen. Relately, relately, the Lord promised to give us rest. In Matthew 11 and 28, 2.30, it said, Come to me, all ye labor, and are here and latent, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy, and my burden of life. This is Jesus talking. Other words, he's trying to say to you, you quit trying to handle this thing yourself. Don't take yoke, your yoke upon you. He said take his yoke upon him. So his yoke is easy. Other words, you can handle this thing if you take Jesus with you. If you cast this thing on the Lord, you can handle That's why he said cast your care on me. So here you is trying to fix this thing yourself. You're not big enough to fix it yourself. That's why he said cast your care upon the Lord. For he cared for you. He will never let the righteous be moved. In Christ, we can pour ourselves like a drink offering. Second Timothy 4 and 6. But the way of Christ is a light yoke because it is his yoke. Jesus has borne the burden of our salvation. We have only to follow him in his gentle path. He done paid the price. He done died for us. He died so he could carry your load. He died so he could carry your burden. He died that he could keep you encouraged, lifted up, that he could give you rest in a time when you're tired. Isn't that something? I want to talk about his love. Never fail. Do you hear questions in your mind like, if God loved you, you wouldn't be going through this? Or what kind of father? will let his children go through something hard. In Isaiah 54 and 10, it says, For the mountains may depart, and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall never depart from you. Do you hear me? And you know ain't no mountain ain't no depart no more. There's no mountain don't depart no more, and hills don't move. But God said, though they don't move, that lets you know just how much he loves you. What you do don't move, God loves. The mistakes you make, I want to help somebody. Some of you in despair. Some of you are beating yourself up. Some of you don't went back to doing wrong because you thought God just loved you because you made a mistake, and now God punishes you. Baby, God don't have no pity party. God don't punish you like that right there just because you made a mistake. I understand if you went back and backslid and went back and the word of the Lord had to chastise you to bring you back. That's another story. But if you just made a mistake, God still loves you. If you fell down, get back up. If you sinned, ask him to forgive you. Because just like the mountain can't be moved and the hill can't be moved, 
his love can't be moved. He, he loves you with an everlasting love. See, when God loves you, listen to me. When God loves you, he loves you through Jesus Christ. This is how he loves you. See, that's why he don't look at you. At, at you. He looks at the shedded blood that was shedded for you. So he looks at the blood. He looks at Jesus Christ, his son. And when he looks through his son, he don't never see your fault. He don't see your mistakes because the blood done washes away. Ah, oh, my, my, my. And remember, you've been redeemed. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. You are a child of God. You are born again believer. You blood washed. Ain't that something? You are son of God. And he so proudly called you son. And you so proudly called him dad. You've been redeemed. God is holy and righteous and required payment for sin. Our problem is that we are born in a fallen world with a fallen flesh, and we sin because we are sinners. If we have to pay our own penalty for sin and rebellion against God, we will truly perish. But God had redeemed us. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 say, he had delivered us. From the, from the domain of darkness and transformed us to the kingdom of his beloved son and whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. This simply means that Jesus took our place on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins. And we are received a righteous and clean record of Christ. Other words, we were guilty. We were sinners. But Jesus became a sinner, even though he didn't sin. Please don't misunderstand me. He became a sin. He paid the price for sin. They accused him of sin, that we might be righteous, that we might be the righteousness. We are clean now. Our record is clean in Christ Jesus because Jesus paid for it. He paid for it that our record might be clean, that we might be forgiven, that we might be accepted. So now when God looks at us, he don't look at us as looking at us. He looks at us through his son, Jesus Christ. And then I told you earlier, not only have he redeemed us, not only have he saved us, not only do he love us, but after he did this, he adopted us. We've been adopted. Just like a, a mom or a dad goes somewhere and adopts somebody else's child, we have been adopted. Some people are blessed with good earthly fathers. Some are not. But our father in heaven is a great father. Ephesians 1 and 5 says, he predestinated us for adoption to himself as sons to Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. If you witness in an adoption in a court of law, you will hear the question posed to the new parents. Do you understand that adoption is an unreasonable act? You cannot take it back. Once God has adopted us as his children, it is forever. So the judge asked the question, Roman, before you sign the paper, do you understand that this is not a game going on? You can adopt this child. This child going to be yours. It can't be unreversible. You can't say tomorrow, well, I, I didn't mean that. This child going to be yours. You got to take care of this child. This child becomes your responsibility, and you become their parents. So it is with God. Once you've been born again, you have been adopted into the royal family of God, 
and it can't be taken back. You hear what I said? Though the finished work of Christ, through the finished work of Christ, he has adopted those who believe. By him we cry, Abba, Father. Romans 8 and 15, sell it in your heart that you are a child of God and loved by him. Isn't that something? You, it ain't no getting out of it. Let anybody say what they want to do you. You have been born again. You are the child of God. You've been bought with a prize. You belong to Jesus. And it don't matter what nobody else is saying. God got your back. You hear what I'm saying? God loves you. He's going to always love you. Can't nothing stop him from loving you. He's going to love you tonight. He's going to love you in the morning. He's going to love you to make a mistake at midnight. I didn't make a mistake in the morning. He's going to still love you because he loves you through the blood of Jesus. When he looks at you through the blood, he doesn't see anything but a clean vessel, a willing vessel, a holy vessel. Isn't that something? The Lord will fight for you. How many know? Now, listen. Now I want you to understand what has just happened. I told you we're saved, you were loved, you were redeemed, you've been bought with a prize, now you've been adopted. Now what would that mom and dad look like adopting that child and then treating them bad? It would be better off if they had not adopted the child if they were going to treat the child bad. Now the child been adopted, all the rights. Oh, I like this. All the privileges, all the benefits, all the blessings, all the insurance policy, all the health plan, that child's going to get it because that mom and daddy adopted them into that family, just like the other children. They're all going to be equal. So it is with God. You hear me? Oh, God going to take care of you, just like he took care of all the other born-again believers. All the other folks say they were saved and sanctified. God ain't going to treat you no different than to treat them and them than you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to meet your needs. He's going to put food on your table. He's going to put clothes on your back. He's going to heal your body. You got an insurance policy from heaven. You got a sure insurance policy. You got a sure policy. David said if I had 10,000 tons, it wouldn't be enough to pay him for all the benefits. You got, oh, so many benefits in this policy. So many benefits. Oh, my God, that God going to give you just because you've been adopted, just because you're in this family. So the benefits come with the adoption. Once that paper is signed, that mom and dad signed their name on the bottom of that paper saying we're your parents, then the benefits, all of them, become yours. Ain't that something? So we got a lot of benefits. So much God don't promise us. And I come out here and encourage you. Lift up your head that hang down. Straighten out your feet with me. Get out that backslid and stay in your mind like, like you're going to give up, like you're going to quit, like you're going to throw in the towel. You can't take it no more. God's grace is sufficient. God don't allow you to go through nothing that his grace won't get you through it. Grab on to God's grace. Quicken yourself. Wake up. Uh, stretch out your wings to fly, eagle, because you are eager now. In the book of Exodus, chapter 14, the Israelites have just recently been rescued by God, mighty hands from slavery and oppression in Egypt. No sooner had they escaped into the desert than they saw the might of the Egyptian army with, with chariots, horses, and men of war burned down on them. They were terrified and cried out to Moses. Moses, convey the heart of God. 
with these amazing words at verse 10 and 14. Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, The Egyptians, excuse me, fear not and say this, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see them again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Isn't that something? Moses encouraged them because they got discouraged. They looked behind them. And so all the Egyptians coming on them chariots, them chariots, we are making all that noise, dust flying everywhere. All fear was all over them. Great fear because here it is, Pharaoh coming back. They thought they had got free. They thought they were free, which they were free. But 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 when they looked back and saw Pharaoh's army coming, they said, oh, my God, we came out here for nothing. But Moses encouraged them that the enemy you see today, you ain't going to see them no more because the God you serve is going to fight for you. The next time you are fearful, go to God who promised to fight for you. And we fear come to all of us. The Bible says, "Be not afraid when sudden fear come upon us." Sometimes sudden fear come on. We get a we, we we get a doctor report, or we 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 hear about something happening to our children, or something on the job, or an accident. Or fear get all over us. But the Bible says, "Be not afraid when sudden fear come upon us." Keep our trust in the Lord, because He didn't bring us this far to leave us now. He ain't gonna leave you. He done adopted you. You in his family now. He ain't gonna let it be said that he adopted you and didn't take care of you. He said, Did I not feed the birds of the air? Did I not clothe the lily of the valley? He said, Oh ye a little faith. Will I not take care of you? God gives wisdom to those who ask. Now we begin to walk with God. Remember now we've been walking in the world. We've been doing the things in the world, we've been living in the flesh. We've been living carnal, doing carnal things, and then the thing we did won't even right, led us in the wrong direction, led us to the wrong husband, to the wrong wife, ended up on the wrong job, ended up in the wrong neighborhood. <laughs> Excuse me. Why? Because we walked it in the corner and not in the spirit. But now we need to ask God for wisdom that we have been born again. Now that we've been adopted, we need to do like Solomon, Lord, give me wisdom. Have you wished it that you knew more about life and had a better understanding? James 1 and 5 says, if any of you like wisdom, let him ask God who give generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to them. I lost my phone today, and I knew we were having a program tonight, and everything went on it, the Lost Hope Ministry and the apostles' number was on there, and I had no other way, a means of, uh, 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 you know, of getting in contact with her to let her know that, you know, that I might not be able to do the broadcast. You know, I had lost my phone, and I was like, I was really kind of in dire straits. I didn't know where it would. I went to look, and I, I looked all in my car, all in the gray. I was working on my car today. I was working on several of my cars today, and I'm putting batteries in them and trying to clean them up and get them ready for the winter and, and, and some to be sold and whatever. And, and I thought maybe I misplaced it, dropped it in the gray. I did not know where it was. But I asked God. I said, Lord, where is my phone? I said, where is God? I don't know, God. Please show me where it is. 
And all of a sudden, after an hour or so, and my wife had caught me all day because she was taking care of her sister who was bedridden, and she thought something was wrong with me. And my daughter was calling, and she thought something was wrong because I always answer my phone when they called me. And, 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 but, yeah, I didn't for, I didn't even know that it was gone later on this evening. And they had been calling me all day thinking that something was wrong. And I said, God, and I said, oh, my God, here it is about 5 o'clock here now, 5, going on 5, 5.30. I said, and, 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 and I know the apostle can't call me. If she called me, I ain't got, I don't have the phone. What am I going to do, God? And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit dropped it in my spirit, showed me like day, like day and night, exactly where my phone was. He told me, don't you remember, you laid it down at this store. At a certain place, you took a lady there at this store, and you were talking to someone, and you said, well, I'm a lady, so let me not forget it. He said, but you forgot it. And you know what? I went right back to that store where the Holy Ghost told me I laid my phone, and the man in the store, time I walked in, he said, you left your phone. Ain't God good? God will give you wisdom. He'll give you knowledge. He'll give you understanding. He'll show you things that you don't know. And that's why we feel so much needless hours and time worrying about stuff. Can't find your car keys. He'll help you find your car keys. Can't find this. Can't find that. Why don't you add God? He know where you're at. The many times I lost stuff. I didn't know, didn't even know where it was. But you know what the Holy Ghost said? He said, just like he told Peter, he said, carry the net on the other side. And I'm like, Peter, like, I don't fish all night, Lord. Why should I cast my net on the other side? I ain't going to catch nothing. He said, but according to your word, let it be done. And y'all know the story. So I said that because I lost. And God told me to go back to the same place I looked. I said, Lord, I looked there. I looked. And the Lord told me to look. And I, would, I said, Lord, I don't look. But I'm going to go back and look again. And when I went back looking this time, looking, what I had overlooked, the dirt wood, the God sent me back to the same place. So you got to go where God tells you to go. You can't go. I don't care if you don't think you went there. I don't care if you don't think you lost it over there. I lost my pocketbook a few years ago, and I had several hundred dollars in it, and it had important stuff in that pocketbook. I was driving the school bus, and it fell out of my pocket down by the seat of the school bus. And my wife asked me, said, did you look down side the bus seat? I said, yes, baby, I did. And she said, and she kept asking, she kind of upset me because I had told her I looked. Why you keep asking me? And I done told you I looked about the seat. So she didn't say no more to me. So when I parked the bus, I had to park the bus at my house in the evening and go back to work. I parked the bus and went back home. And she went out there and looked downside the seat and dug in my pocket with downside the seat where she had told me to go look again. I'm telling somebody this evening, you need to go look again. You need to go try it again. You need to give it another go. You, you, you need to give it an extra mile. You need to quit giving up so quick. You need to quit throwing in a towel. You looked it, but you ain't searched. Sometimes you got to search for a thing. You got to do more than you got to look for it. You got to search for it. So God will give you wisdom. This means you can become incredibly wise by just asking God. He said that he will not reproach the, the answer. He will not uh, Direct you for being so foolish. Everything that can be known is known by God, and He is willing to share His ways. He'll give you ideas, and some of you out there should have been business owner. Some of you should have been opened up a hair parlor, a beauty salon. But you're so smart, you are smart your own self, and you don't have no beauty salon today. You, you already done figured out you ain't got no money. 
you're going to figure it out that ain't nobody going to come to your salon. You're going you're gonna to figure it out. Everybody else got salons, so what makes you think yours is going to prosper? You don't talk yourself out of your blessings. God done told you to do it. Listen, God, he don't matter who out there got a salon. You start one, God will bless you, and you ought to be greater than Dave. People start coming to you because you know how to fix air. But you don't talk yourself out of it because you're smarter than God. If God tells you something, he'll bring it to pass. He'll bless your business, but you got to do it God's way. you got to move when God says move. Quit worrying about whether or not he's going to turn you down at the bank. There ain't more than one bank in the world. Go to another bank. 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 You keep on trying. Somebody's going to give you that loan for your business, and you're going to be glad that you didn't quit, that you didn't give up. We quit too much. We quit too fast. We're so easy to give up. We're so easy to throw in the towel. But I encourage you, seek him in prayer and the word and wise counsel of Christians who live, who live, who have seen words imitating and then live wisely. Knowing what to do is knowledge. Doing what you know is wisdom. Uh, you hear me? It ain't enough for you to know what to do. You can know what to do and not do nothing. The wisdom comes is when you do it. The wisdom comes when you do it. Many people out here are talking about they don't do this, they don't do that. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and they'll never get it done. That's just knowledge. But when you do it, others will see you do it. The devil will flee flee from you if you resist it. Do you hear me? The reason the devil ain't left some of you alone is because you ain't resist him. You keep saying you resist him, but you keep playing with his tools. You keep playing with his merchandise. Uh-huh. You keep playing with his merchandise. You keep staying in his territory. You still, you still in his city limit. You still in his community. You still living on his territory. And then, then you want him to run. He ain't going nowhere because you in his territory. You on his area. You, 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 you on his ground. As long as you on the devil's ground, I encourage you, you're not going to win. He ain't going nowhere. He ain't going to flee. But the Bible says he will flee. Jesus Christ was sinless, perfect. He was sinless, perfect. Matthew foretells us of how he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by Satan. There we see an example of what it might look like to resist the devil. Jesus resists him, and the devil flees. Submit yourself, James 4 and 7. Submit yourself there for the God and resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. See, you got to be submit. See, what it is, you, 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 you resisting the devil, but you ain't submitting. Submit means you got to let God know you messed up. Be honest to yourself. Submit yourself. Go to God. Confess it. Let God know you messed up. Lord, I messed up, but I want to get out of this. I want to stop doing this, Lord. I know I was wrong, and I ain't going to do it no more. I need your help. That's submitting yourself. It's like you submit It's like you submit an application. Now, they can't look at the application and hire you if you don't submit the application. That means you got to, that means you got to sign the application, fill it out, and you got to submit it to the company or or whoever you're supposed to give it to, but they can look at it, whether it's an application for a home or whether it's an application for a job or, or a business. you got to fill the application out, submit it to whoever's supposed to look at it. They're going to look it over, and they're going to get back with you. 
uh, concerning the outcome of the submitness. So it is with God. You submit your way unto the Lord, and God going to deal with the devil. All you got to do is submit your way to God. God will make the devil run. Yes, he will. Submit to God. Give him your life and be, and, 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 and be about his will. As you follow him, he can count on he can count on opposition from Satan. You can count on opposition from Satan. Learn to resist the devil, as he will flee. You may not at first, but you learn. You learn how to resist the devil. Do you hear what I'm saying? As you grow in grace and you walk with God, you may make a mistake or two. So don't keep on making mistakes. Learn to resist the devil. Learn how to say no and mean no. Learn how to say no and mean no. You got to mean no when you say no. You can't act like you say no and don't mean no. So a no and then next second no, you're doing it. You got to have a strong no. You got to have a sincere no. You got to mean what you see. And when you sin and when you ask God to forgive you, uh, he will forgive you. When you confess your sin, if you don't confess your sin, God can't forgive you for sin, you ain't confessing. But when you confess your sin, he will forgive you. When we put our faith in Christ, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. When you do this, your life will begin to change dramatically because you are made new. When you become born again, you are made new. And automatically your life began to change. But if you do but if you do sin on your way to being transformed, first John one and nine says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Remember what John said? He said if you sin while you're on your way to transformation, because that's what we are. Once we've been born again, God is now transforming us into a spiritual being. We was a fleshly being. We were a carnal being. We had the idamic nature. We don't have the idamic nature no more. Now we got the Christ-like nature. So we got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We got to be transformed in our heart. We got to be transformed in our thinking. We got to be transformed in our action. We got to be transformed in our character. We got to be transformed in our behavior. We got to be transformed how we treat people. So we used to treat them mean. We used to treat them snobby. We didn't care what we say to them, but we got to be transformed. Praise God in our conversation, how to talk to people. There is something powerful about honesty before God. Not only does it restore our soul to come into the light of sin, of, of sin, of light of our sin. God, our Father, who loves us, won't want to forgive us. When we feel convicted and confess sin before God, believe you are cleansed and forgiven. He has, he has accomplished your cleansing, and it is a fact in heaven. And what the writer is trying to say, know that once you ask God to forgive you, don't sit there wearing the next half hour, thinking because you there another half hour that's going to help the forgiveness. It ain't got nothing to do with God forgiving you. You would say that for two days you want to. It ain't going to make no difference. He forgave you two days a day. You just laid up for nothing. The moment you ask God to forgive you, God forgives you right then. Right then, not next week, not the week after. He forgives you right then. Isn't that something? And listen, my last one is I'm going to talk about 
in your own soul and then. Romans 6 and 6 say, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to notice so that we will no longer be enslaved. This is a promise, y'all. This is a promise that we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of, uh, of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved with sin. Jesus taught that would taught whatever sin is a slave to sin. Jesus taught that whoever sins is a slave to sin. John 6 to 34. He took care of the problem when he took on our sin. And the wrath of God is on the cross. We are now set free from our sin because our old sinful self was crucified with him. Isn't that something? We don't have to worry about our sin no more. They done pay for us. They done been hung on the cross. They done been washed by the blood. We are new creatures. We are blood-born again. Uh, we have been redeemed on our way to heaven, and I'm all excited about it. So I come out and tell you in our closing, don't let the devil make you miss out while you're looking at the flesh, while you're looking at the natural, you're looking at the carnal. You're like the man that was in Samaria. Whenever Elisha told him, said, this time tomorrow, they had been going through a long time. They had been suffering there on the hand of the Caesarean because they had them encamped it in. And those days when an army wanted to take a city, they would surround the city and so nobody could go in and nobody could go out. They couldn't go to the grocery store. They couldn't go to the shopping center. They'd go to the mall. They couldn't go out and buy no grocery for, uh, 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 from town. And so what little bit of food they had, they finally ended up eating it up and make them starve themselves to death. And then when they so weak and starving, then the enemy would come in and take over the city. And that's what they had did to Samaria. The Caesarean had taken, had encamped around about the city and had them encamped it in. But what they, the Syrian did not know is that God was on the side of the Samaritan. And Elijah the totals that did it on the morrow. God, that, that body is going to be sold for a little bit of nothing. Bread is going to be sold for a little bit of nothing. That was hard to believe. Why? Because so much was going on inside that city. Uh, uh, women were eating their children. One woman promised another child, woman, if we eat your child tonight, and tomorrow night we'll eat yours. So what they did, they ate that woman's child, and then when the not tomorrow night come, that woman hear her baby. She won't want to let her eat her baby. That was your craziness. Give me your baby to eat. You ain't eating my baby. She hid her baby, and, and the woman went before the king. And she told the king, the king, please make this woman bring her baby out so we can eat it. I done ate my baby. Now, we, now she won't let me eat her baby. Make her give her baby up so we can eat her baby. And the king was so vexed in his spirit. He was mad at Elisha. He thought Elijah, but Elijah said, I ain't do it. You did it. Your wickedness did it. Your rebelliousness, you did it. You forsaken God did it. And here you want to blame me. So tell Elijah. He sent, he sent his servant to, to tell Elijah he's going to kill him. Tell Elijah that when he fought, that he's going to die. But they shut the door so the servant couldn't get in. They shut the door that the armor bird couldn't get in and mess with Elijah. But Elijah sent word. <coughs> Excuse me. Elijah sent word, said, go tell the king. Go tell him that this time tomorrow, bread going to be sold, barley going to be sold for a little bit of nothing. And the people got excited, but one man stood up in doubt, like some people do today. He stood up in doubt. He said, 
if God put winter in heaven, this cannot be. And the Bible said it, and Elijah said to the man, you're going to see it come to pass, but because you doubt it, because you brought a reproach against God with your word, Thomas, if God put winter in heaven, Elijah said, you're going to see it, but you shall not eat not one piece of bread. And the scripture says, uh, that 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 they were left with me and sitting at the door, and they were dying because they had left. In those days when you had leprosy, they let you sit outside the city. You couldn't be around people because the long story short, the leper men said if we sit here we're gonna die, if we get up we're gonna die, if we go to our enemy we may die, but prevent them and let us live and feed us and we'll live. So the leper men got up, running to the city, and they headed toward to, 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 to the Sicilian. And the Bible said as they got closer to the Assyrian, God made it sound like an army was coming. The closer they got, the more the army. It looked like 10,000 people thought that somebody had gotten out of the city and went and got helped by all the other kings ran about. And them Assyrians went running. They run out of their stockings. They run out of their hat. They run out of their shoes. They left their pans, their pots, and everything. They left the food still cooking on the grill. The Bible said they ran all the way out to the ocean because they came in on boats. They came in on ships. They ran all the way to the ocean, jumped in their ship, and flee back to their own land because they were that scared. But they thought they thought armies were coming to destroy him. And won't nobody come but three sick men. <laughs> three sick men that God used that went toward the Sicilian army and made them run all the way out into the sea. God got away in his sea by the sea. And so whenever the door was open, when they found about the word got back to the king and he sat out there to find out what had happened, to find out it was true, he told them to open the gate. And just like he lied and he said, that put that guard, he put this man at the gate, the one that said that it was going to happen, and, 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 and if God put wind in the heaven, they put him at the door, and when the door came open, you know you can't stand in front of nobody on Black Friday when they got that Black Friday sale at Walmart. You don't stand in the middle of no door. You better move out your way. Them folks run over you. Run over you. Try to get them plant free TV. And so they ran over the man and killed the man. And the man died just like Elijah said. So I can encourage you this evening. If God said it, He's gonna do a stand on His promise. Precious Father, I'm excited this afternoon of all the promises that you not only gave me, but you gave my brothers and sisters in the Christ, all those on the radio world and Lost Seat program that are listening from other countries, every city, every state, and every town, all in the hallway, all in the back alley, wherever they might be, God is sitting on the sidewalk, all in the park. I don't know where they is, but wherever they're listening, Lord, let thy word not go out and come at void. Well, let it accomplish what you send it out to do, God. And, Lord, let them know that you are God of your word. Let them build up their confidence, oh, God. Some have lost their confidence. Some have become discouraged. Some spirit have gotten low, God. Some want to quit. Some want to throw in the towel. Some say it ain't worth waiting no more. I done waited this long, and it's just a waste of time. But I want you to let them know, God, it ain't no waste of time, because you ain't no lying to God. You you're going to do just what you said you're going to do because you God right by yourself. You told us don't lose the confidence that we got in you, Lord, because we keep the confidence it had a great recompense of reward, and I just thank you. And, Lord, I ask that you bless the apostles, oh, God, who will open up the doors for me to be able to speak tonight. I ask you to strengthen her body, oh, God, hard time, bo, 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 shay. I ask you to move all in her bloodstream and her blood sugar, move get all in the oxygen in her body, all in her spirit, God, and give her wisdom, give her knowledge, give her understanding, such as she never had in the precious name of Jesus. Open up greater doors than these doors, God. 
take her to higher height, take her to deeper death, bless her with unexpected blessings that she won't even expect to get God, touch heart, turn them in her favor. She cast wind out of the water, let it come back to her now. In the name of Jesus, bless her children and keep them healed. Meet their need. Give them the job that they need, whatever they're looking for, whatever they're seeking for. You grant their petition, oh God. Hear her prayer, let none of them fall to the ground. In the precious name of Jesus, do these things, O oh Lord, and thy name shall ever be praised. The glory and all the honor, God, it shall be thine. Bless the lost sheep program and everyone listen to me, Lord. Although the sick, I ask you to make well. All bow down here that you lift up, God. All broken spirit you put back together. Bring back broken marriages, Lord. Bring homes back together. Do it. Put the love back in the husband, the love back in the wife. Do it, I pray, and the glory shall be yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.